Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us the two incredible women behind the Almost 30 Podcast. Lindsay, I'm going to say your last name wrong. Can you say it for me? Yeah, of course. Simpsick. Thank you. (laughs) And Christy Williams. I meant to ask you before we started because I didn't want to mess it up, and then I forgot. (laughs) But um, I was just telling them that they're like are slightly, very slightly. So slightly. So slightly older and much cooler sisters. We're so excited to have them. So thanks for being here, guys. Thank you for having us. This is a, I know a long time coming. So I'm, I'm really excited yeah. to sit down with you. Yeah, it feels right. I mean, you guys, your mission is so, so much similar to ours. So I'm just excited. I feel like we have such alignment already. Totally. We're going to get all into that. But before we do, can you guys take a second, introduce yourselves, tell us each just a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from. And if you don't mind saying how old you are, since it is the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I'm Lindsay Simsick, and I am one half of the Almost 30 podcast. And yeah, I'm from a town, a little town just north of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania and kind of lived all over. I've lived in Boston and New York, LA. And yeah, it's just been kind of a wild ride starting off as like wanting to be a Broadway star and now hosting a podcast. It's been just so, so much fun and I've learned so much. And I'm 33. I'm 33 proud year. Proudly. Heck yeah. <laughs> and I just turned 33 this week, so I am freshly 33. Mm-hmm. That feels like a good age. It yeah, does. Level three feels like that has to be something good. It's Christ year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's special. It's, it's Christ year. It's super special. And it's usually the end of the Saturn return, which is really, you know, what Almost 30 was all about mm-hmm. is supporting people through their Saturn return. But I'm Krista, and I grew up, you know, in a small town in Ohio. I've always been a dreamer. I've always been someone that was asking questions that was sort of questioning life and really looking to have deep and meaningful conversations. So for most mm-hmm. of my life, that caused me a lot of pain because I, I couldn't go deep with people. I felt like, you know, I was never really understood. And that was like a theme throughout my life, really, until I found Lindsay and we created almost 30 when we were like 27, I think. Mm-hmm. And we just started recording on our closet floors talking about the transition from our 20s to our 30s, where we felt super lost. We felt super misunderstood. And, you know, over the years, we've built it into a really beautiful business and community that I feel really proud of, you know, that we both can run today. Oh, incredible. That Seriously, I feel like it's so inspiring, especially for us as we are in the stages of, you know, building this as well to see how much you guys have grown and how how when you're really, really passionate about something and have the deepest belief in what you're doing that you just have to kind of put one foot in front of the other and keep, you know, going at it. So it it really, it, it means so much. And we're going to assume that a majority of our listeners do know who you guys are. I can't imagine them not. But for those that don't, how did you two meet? Give us a little background on that. Oh, yeah. So our meeting was super, like super 20 style. I was <laughs> in the corporate world right when I got out of college because that's really what I saw everyone do. I didn't really know that there was an alternate path to being in the corporate world and everyone that I saw and grew up with really just stepped into doing jobs that they didn't really love but paid the bills and that sort of thing so I tried that for most of my career you know I was like okay I'll just be in a job and I'll try and find purpose outside of my job and one of the purposes that I eventually found that I was really obsessed with was soul cycle so I was living in New York City with my um, fiance at the time, my, my now fiance. And I found SoulCycle and I fell in love. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm gonna leave my corporate job. I'm gonna become an instructor and this is it. Like, this is my new destiny. And I had a really good job. I had really good paying jobs. Like everything seemed to be good from the outside, but I just hated what I was doing. And so I was gonna try out to be an instructor, which is actually a really lengthy process. It's, you know, you have to apply and interview and you have to, 
do like a performance. It's like pretty crazy. Yeah. So I auditioned in New York City. I didn't get it. And then eventually um, I was going to audition again because I really wanted it to so bad. I got connected to Lindsay, who was an instructor here in Los Angeles. And I was moving to Los Angeles at the time, like somehow through fate, moved to Los Angeles as well. And um, we eventually became friends. And when I didn't get Soul Cycle, when I tried for the second time, I was really lost. And I felt really mm -hmm. confused because I felt so called to something. And I felt like it was my purpose. I felt like it was the thing that was meant for me. Yeah. And, you know, she was there to really just support me and, and be there for me. And I learned a lot about her through the process. And mm -hmm. we felt like we couldn't be the only ones that felt really lost and that felt really alone in what we were going through and felt really you know, that life wasn't really ending up how we thought it was when we were younger. And we didn't know if we liked mm -hmm. that or not. So we started to record our, our conversations on the closet floor. Just one day we thought, you know, can we start a podcast and eight months of practice, eight months of trying eight months of like recording so much crazy, crazy stuff. We eventually launched almost 30 and, you know, here we are today, five years later. That's so beautiful. It's it's so crazy because I think about, you know, how that's really the whole reason why we started this as well is because we're like, okay, there is no shot. We're the only people feeling this because you're a student. You're literally a professional student for years. And then all of a sudden you get tossed into the world and you're like, no, no, you're, yeah, and literally. Said no. And we're like, should we though? <laughs> so to be able to not only, you know, meet each other a little bit in, in your journeys and be able to actually have such a deep, meaningful connection and wanting to share that with the world so, so cool and so powerful. And I feel like you guys have already impacted so many people. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with us today. <laughs> yeah, I love what you said about when you were starting the show, like wanting to help people through their Saturn return, which of course, me and Brendan know all about. I'm very big on astrology. Um, so like, I feel like there's, you know, that's like this later part of your 20s. And me and Brenda started this in our earlier part of our 20s, in that transition out of college into like real quote unquote real life, like this adulthood, whatever the heck that is supposed to mean. And obviously, you know, now we're 25, still no idea, but I'm curious to hear from you guys. Cause I think you guys kind of are the expert on this, not saying that you have the answers, but just from your experiences, what were some of the biggest differences that you noticed about your life from your early 20s to your later 20s? Like, let's say like using 25 as a marker, like what were some of the biggest differences in yourself, how you viewed the world, how you were handling experiences? You can run in any direction you want with that. <laughs> Because uh, I need to know. Because yeah. we're 25 and we need to know. It's so funny because early on in the life of almost 30, we would do these segments where we would talk about 20s us and 30s us, mm -hmm. um, which was just a hilarious. Oh my gosh, <laughs> all we needed segments for a podcast. But anyway, so yeah, th this this definitely is a real thing. I think about it a lot where I have moments I'm like, wow, I would have reacted completely differently <laughs> 10 years ago or, you know, eight years ago. But at 25, I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. Um, I was with him for almost five years and I completely like blew it up. Um, and my soul was like, yeah, we, we are not, we are not for this relationship anymore. So yeah, that started really my long, uh, season of being single. And at that time I was just, I was really, I was really caught up in hating on myself for the way in which I ended that relationship for, you know, the could have, would have, and should have, I should have done in that relationship. And just for being like kind of shocked at how I acted and like not knowing that part of myself and being freaked out. Yeah. And that translated into drinking and partying and engaging in like very casual relationships and sex and just kind of like disrespecting myself on myself on all levels. I would I would overdo it on the working out. I would overdo it on eating shit food. I would, you know, yeah, just not be in tune with what my body really needed. I didn't have that connection to not only my body, but my intuition in the way that I do now. And so that is glaring as a difference. And then the other one that stands out is just like the way in which I communicate. I think now that I've learned that me showing up as myself and being very direct and explicit in how I feel and my experience in a situation actually serves the relationship in front of me and allows me to go deeper with that person rather than what I was at 25 and really up until a couple of years ago was a very good people pleaser. And mm -hmm. I just wanted to manage the, the situation at hand and the experience of others over my own experience and my own needs and desires. So that's a 
big one. And I'm really, I'm really happy to say that it's, I, I feel like I'm on the other side of that, but yeah, it's, it's pretty shocking to look back. <laughs> How did I live? I know. <laughs> I'm I, think too, I just remember in my, Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to ask um, about the intuition thing. I'm sure we'll get more into this later. Cause we do want to talk about some spiritual practices and stuff, but how do you feel like, you know, when you were going through maybe the thing that more toxic activities. <laughs> Where did you get, was there like a moment of like, okay, this isn't serving me. Um, and did it come from intuition or how did you get more aligned with listening to your intuition? I feel like a lot yeah. of people struggle to, to hear the voice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for me, it was my move to LA. Mm -hmm. So I was working for Soul Cycle at the time for about three months um, after years of like bartending and fit modeling and just kind of all these odd jobs. And I was working for Soul Cycle for three months, instructing in and around New York. And they called me one night and were like, so we have a proposition. You can say yes or no, it doesn't matter. Like, but we would love for you to move to LA and open up a studio there. And I was like, I didn't even hesitate. I just said, yeah. yes, I'm in. And that was the first time in a while that I just knew, you know, that I was just like, yep, there's no question. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot that needs to happen in order to move across the country. You know, logistics, I was yeah. li living with my best friend at the time, lots of emotions and lots of things happening. And so for my, my gut reaction to be yes and following that and not even hesitating was really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. And so when I got on that plane, I just remember feeling like, wow, I am so, I am so powerful. I've wavered wow. since in wow. those years since, but like, that is a moment I look back on. I'm like, damn, like I just knew. Mm -hmm. And from that point, you know, LA was really a, um, an opening for me as far as, yeah, just kind of like a reset, a reset with relationships, a really, uh, reset with myself. Um, I was able to be outside more. I was able to take care of my body in a different way. I was immersed in a community that I felt was like super healthy and just nourishing at soul cycle. And then eventually with almost 30. And so, yeah, it just felt like a big ass reset button all because <laughs> I trusted my intuition. And so, you know, for women that are like, I feel disconnected from my intuition and Krista, did an episode on this so she can speak to it um, even more so but I just like to have these reference points of moments mm -hmm. where I just knew and mm -hmm. it's like what did that feel like what was the physical feeling what was like the spiritual feeling what was like all all touch points like can I practice that more and more and say yes and recognize it more and more because I do think our intuition gets louder and louder the more that we listen to it yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's one that stuck out as like the turning point. I like the practice piece because it's one of those things, intuition, I'm doing air quotes, um, that we feel like we should just have. Mm. And I don't think people often think that it might be something that you have to practice. And I think that at this 25 age, it's something that me and Brenda are learning that that is something that you have to practice and like taking the time, like you said, to to listen and understand how that feels. It, that was certainly new to me in the past like year or two of understanding that being able to listen to it without fear, without hesitation, without saying, oh, that's just like, that's just anxiety speaking or that's just fear speaking, like that it comes with practice. So I'm, thank you. I'm glad that you gave that tip. Yeah, and I will just say with that, it's like, I think part of your early 20s, like up until 25, and especially after 25, it's like you're really unlearning because mm. from a very young age, you're actually pulled away from listening to your intuition. You're in public schools, mm. potentially, or private schools. There's no emphasis on intuition. You're following a very structured education. You're not really doing anything that's intuition nourishing. Yeah. In college, I didn't find it to be intuition nourishing at all. You're really drinking you're sort of doing everything everyone else is doing. And then mm -hmm. for most of us, and, and for me, I got into the corporate world, which felt incredibly away from my intuition. And so it's not like we've had a lot of practice. And that's why it's really important in your 20s when you do find that connection really calling you again, or maybe you're, you're in college, that you really start to nourish that relationship and never feel ashamed that, you know, it's something that you have to really work on because we've been pulled so far from it. You know, it's so mm -hmm. heartbreaking to see how far from 
from our intuition we've become because our intuition is really the core of who we are. It's really that core voice. It's that core driving factor that really pulls us closer to being who we are or being closer to the expression in the world that feels most aligned for us. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk so much about unlearning and relearning. And I feel like even over the past few years, like I think a big piece of that going off of what you said is that we are like taught to need to have it all together, whether it's by a certain age, whether it's all these different things. So we like don't admit to ourselves because we don't want to admit to others either that we don't have it all together. So then it's like we put all of these layers on ourselves and just push this intuition further and further down and ignore what we might know is true for us because we're afraid of judgment. And I feel like something that we have noticed when we actually practice listening to our intuition or practice asking ourselves, okay, what do I actually want to do? And how do I actually show up as the most authentic version of myself? Every time we put that into play, the the reward is so much greater and it feels so much better because it's actually so aligned. So that makes so much sense. And but it's scary sometimes. Oh, it's terrifying oh, most of the time. <laughs> for sure. But all good are on the other side of that fear. You know, it's yes. like yeah. the hardest decision, decisions I've ever had to make have always been the most fruitful and the most beautiful mm. and that's the thing about our intuition is that it doesn't really make sense always. And it doesn't make sense in a world that doesn't make sense. I mean, if you think about it, like when everyone's acting like they have everything together, like we were raised by parents that acted like they had everything together. Most didn't tell us that, you know, they're not perfect, that they have things that they work on because they didn't even realize themselves. So we're really like the generation of unlearning that no one has it all together and you'll never really have it all together. Mm -hmm. And so that's really why almost 30 was born. And I'm sure that you guys were born as well, because now we're being like being real about that. Now we can really have conversations and start from a point where we're like, oh, we don't know what we're doing right now, but we're willing to, you know, put in the work to figure it out. Yeah. So, um, here's a little something that you may or may not know about me. I don't sleep well. No, I'm a horrid, horrid sleeper, but I'm really good at staying awake and staring at my ceiling and having anxiety and thinking about everything that one could possibly think about when you're supposed to be going to bed. So I'm always looking for new ways to get my shit together because it's not fun. You know, my head hits the pillow, bam, my mind is racing. I'm sure some of you can relate. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Fortunately, I finally found something that helps. I found Sunday Scaries and realized that they make products specifically for overthinkers and night owls like me hello drag me through the mud for the overthinking sunday scaries cbd gummies help me decompress clear my head and fall asleep so i can actually wake up and be a fully functioning human being and do all the cool good shit that i gotta do so let me tell you there is no risk to buy this company offers 100 percent lifetime money back guarantee if the product's not for you that's okay you'll get your money back sunday scaries is in the stress relieving business not the stress causing business thank you sunday scaries and just because i like them so much we got you 25 percent off to prove it all you have to do is go visit sundayscaries.com use our promo code 20s for your discount that's promo code 20s t-w-e-n-t-i-e-s for 25 percent off yes 25 percent off at sundayscaries.com you're effing amazing you won't regret joining the squad head over to sundayscaries.com use our promo code 20s and get yourself some incredible sunday scaries cbd gummies and if you're sleeping better you're welcome <laughs> you're so welcome Go use that promo code now and fix your life. Okay, bye. Attention, attention. Calling all sneaker lovers. Calling all sneaker lovers. I have incredible news because our newest sponsor here at Roaring Twenties Podcast is eBay. eBay is the original sneaker marketplace and it is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. Whether it's a rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you are looking for. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. So a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verified the logo, the box, the stitching, dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return 
return policy. And for you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection, which is just incredible. So go head over to ebay.com slash sneakers today dot ebay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So go ahead, girl, go get yourself a pair of cute sneaks. You deserve it. Get a pair for your boyfriend, for your dad, your mom, your dog. I don't know. Everybody loves a good sneaker. Go head over to eBay and enjoy. Krista, I'm especially interested since you went from like a corporate job to doing this and that transition happened. At what age did you leave your corporate job? I left. So I left one of my jobs when I moved to Los Angeles to pursue blogging full time. So I had um, my blog and I ended up serving and nannying in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then I got another corporate job because I was in so much credit card debt because I didn't Mm. understand budgeting. And so I had that job for two years while we were building almost 30. So I quit that job in August, 2018, maybe. I think it was June. June, 2018. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I quit that job. We, I had it for two years with almost 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I feel like we know a lot of people who are doing jobs that they went to university for, you know, that's what you majored in, blah, blah, blah. And are finding themselves unhappy or feeling like maybe this isn't it, but afraid to leave or try something new because one, yeah, financially that's scary and can't always be simple. I think the other fear is like a fear of disappointing people like in your life of maybe your parents who sent you to university or your friends who you told that this was always going to be the thing that I was going to do. So I'm interested how that felt for you when you were making that transition at that time in your life. Yeah, I I can relate to the feeling of feeling this like burning desire or feeling like you're unhappy at my job. I mean, I felt so deeply unhappy at my at my jobs. I felt so deeply unfulfilled. And for me, mine, you know, my experience of really figuring out that the corporate world wasn't for me was when I was at a point in Chicago where I just felt so deeply unhappy and anxious and um, depressed. I was just, I knew it wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't a fit and it just kept popping up and I just couldn't get out of it. And so eventually um, I ended up leaving that job and traveling a little bit and then kind of coming back into the workforce because I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. And I didn't really have any expanders to show me like another way. I didn't see any women in media or creative or content creation or anything like that, that I could really look at as inspiration. Um, so when I think about my trajectory to eventually quit, it was like a few different times. It was quitting the first job, traveling for a little bit. It was quitting the second job, failing Mm -hmm. at that quitting because Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what I was doing. And then it was eventually quitting successfully with almost 30. But for people that feel unhappy and feel like they want to make a transition or they want to find a new path, I mean, there is something so liberating to when people stop caring what other people think. And, you know, I've not, I haven't been someone that I'm interesting because I, I deeply care what people think in some senses. And then I actually do not care at all what people think in a lot. And most of my decisions in my life have been made from a place of really not caring what people think of me. And I've known that in my heart that most people are incredibly unhappy and incredibly faking it or whatever. So I've been able to make decisions for myself because I know that most people aren't making decisions for themselves anyways. So I think first things first, like for anyone to make a decision that's going to better themselves, they have to be worried about themselves first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're going to do things that look different, but all people that are successful in life have done and made decisions differently than people that are just unhappy in a job for their whole life. And so you really have to go outside of that worry to make those first decisions to find your passion or find the job that you want to do or leave that job and pursue something else because it's, you don't want to wake up 40 years from now and just being like, oh my God, I've been in this job for my whole life and I've wasted, you know, my whole life. And it's really important that even if you fail, that you try new things to really light yourself up or bring you closer to the path that you should eventually be on. Absolutely. And and we talk so much about exactly that is kind of just like doing something. And it can be scary because it's like, oh, do I do this, 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 or this? But it's like, you will learn something from whichever path that you take, whether it's you absolutely hate it. And this isn't what you want out of life or, you know, you absolutely love it. And it might be an unexpected, you know, surprise but it's I feel like we have so many people especially with the the pandemic and stuff people that feel stagnant or people 
that feel like they don't know which path to take and they want, they crave this forward motion, but they're not, they're afraid to take the first step because they don't know where it's going to lead. And it's just, we, you know, we, we try and, and give advice to those people in our lives too. And it sounds so crazy to just be like, just take one step in one direction and see where it takes you. And you're going to get some sort of value out of it. But in a world I where I say to that, I actually, yeah, please. I actually have a thought on that. I want to add to like, add to your your point. I just think what, so I think that's a really important point to make because oftentimes when you will tell the person like, okay, do the one thing, like open up your resume on Microsoft word and just open it up. That's all you have to do. If you're going to be looking for another job, just literally open up the document or create the free domain with a free trial to create the website. People oftentimes will stop themselves because they think it's not big enough or it doesn't matter enough. And they'll kind of use it as a way to procrastinate. Well, they'll be like, okay, so I want to start an entirely new business and I want to have five employees. I want to do all these things. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have to take the very minor, 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 minutia, small step. And there's an author, Jordan Peterson, that writes um, really great books in Oftentimes he talks about just making your bed. He's like, oftentimes so many people want to change the world, but they don't even want to make their beds. And if you're not really focused on like the small tasks and the small goals, you'll never be able to get to those really big ones because it is something that's made in small steps. Definitely. And we actually, we, we've talked about the book Atomic Habits, like with the getting 1% better every single day and doing a little something every day. But I feel like because we are in this place where we're like, okay, we're in elementary school and now we're working towards middle school. And then we're working to like, we've always had some sort of set timeline or goal we're working towards. So when it's not clearly defined, I feel like we get so uncomfortable, (laughs) but, but absolutely that makes so much sense. And I feel like people definitely everything you guys are sharing are things that people need to hear but kind of going off of what you guys have created how did your vision I know you shared with us how it kind of started but how did it begin and how has it kind of evolved over time because I feel like that whole launch fast and adjust later like no matter how passionate you are about something it can totally adjust over time so how has that looked like for you guys yeah um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier but we started the show one on our closet floors, but two just like with these really kind of silly segments. And it was a bit raunchy and focused kind of on our, you know, mistakes from our twenties, reflecting on what was happening, dating, and just, yeah, a little less, a little less polished and a little less, um, intentionally serving our audience. You know, we were just sharing kind of the day to day, our experiences learning, but it, it didn't have like that, that root in the ground. I think that's where we needed to start, but over time, um, we've definitely evolved to be, you know, we've gone through seasons of being more like health and nutrition focused seasons where we're really focused on entrepreneurship or relationships. Um, and now we feel like we're really in a, in a flow with bringing, um, aspects of spirituality to our audience, um, and having those deeper conversations. But I think, you know, just that, um, observation proves that like, we'll always just allow our show to evolve with us. And that's kind of been our evolution. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, having a partner, as you guys know, just makes makes creating and trusting the process and this entity of almost 30 so much easier. You know, it's like, we've never had a moment where we're like, should we just give up and like leave this thing? Never once ever. And we've showed up for it basically every day for over five years and um, really never let any of our insecurities. And by the way, we do both have insecurities, but like (laughs) never allowed the other's insecurities to really get in the way of what we were trying to trying to create and how we were serving our audience, because ultimately like those insecurities turned into major learnings, you know, and we've talked about a lot of them on the show and become just kind of a mirror for our audience so that they can grow as well. And then, you know, we started out just as a podcast and now we have the podcast, we have a membership, we have courses and programs. Yeah, it just, it, it keeps evolving and we always follow our intuition. It has to feel like a big old yes. Um, but I, I love that I never quite know, you know, what's going to be happening a year from now. Yeah, that's life, right? We never quite know what's going to be happening a year from now or tomorrow, especially at this age. Um, feels It's sometimes volatile, but um, I'm glad that you brought up your partnership because we did want to talk to you guys about friendship because you guys obviously have such like a beautiful friendship that you that shines through your show. And it can be a little difficult to make friends like 
after college, later in your 20s. What have your experiences been with making friends, sustaining friendships through your later 20s? Yeah, I love this question because, um, you know, I, I had that thought too, where I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make friends after college? Like, I love my college friends so much. We were, were so close and we were so close in Chicago where I lived for four years after. I mean, we were together a nauseating amount. But I realized now after moving from Chicago to New York to LA that it's actually a really beautiful thing that you don't have that college experience to make friends because it is really limiting. And, you know, from the perspective of you're all in this space, you all are having the sort of same experiences, you all kind of come from the same sort of area, which was what I was like, it didn't really allow me like the space to grow into the person that I am. And by having met friends much older in my life, um, most of my friends that I'm very close to, I met later in my life, I actually was able to come into the friendship as like a more whole version of me than the person I was in college. And, you know, when I made friends when I was in college, I was a certain person. And then I made friends when I was older. So I was able to come into the relationship much differently and much more healed and much more evolved. So, you know, I actually just offered to people that it's actually really beautiful to make friends later in life. And you can have like an even more enriching experience learning about them, learning about their lives and really showing up as the best versions of yourself because you just really get better with age, I think. Yeah. And I would just add that, you know, in, in college, I was, you know, quote unquote, best friends with people because we lived next door to each other in a dorm room, you know, and um, so best friends by like just proximity, I yeah. guess. And um, that was cool. And I, I love them. But, you know, I, I don't know if I allowed myself to be friends with or make friends with people really outside of that circle of people. And so as an adult, like where I feel kind of more of that independence around my relationships, I, I do find that like, when I look, when I look at who I'm really good friends with now, like I can say that everyone's like really, really different. And yes, we have some like, you know, connections where we hang out together, but like, I just love that I've kind of evolved from like being in a group of like, you know, eight girls and we're all wearing the same thing. And we, you know what I mean? Like I, that was beautiful and served a purpose, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm friends with this person and probably would have never been friends with this person in college just because we wouldn't, wouldn't have yeah. been interested in the same things. But I love that she's interested in other things and believes other things, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's fun for me, I guess, because I'm. I'm learning more about them and myself and just life. So I just want to like liberate the younger 20s me through you guys. Please. And I feel like when I was around your age, I had, yes, <laughs> get ready. I had, um, and even in my, all through my 20s, I've had deep meaningful relationships with women, but I also would have friendship breakups. I would have female breakups with friends that I loved and, and they mm -hmm. loved me. And I remember feeling so heartbroken about it for years and years and years, feeling so ashamed, feeling like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Where I keep outgrowing these friends or I keep mm -hmm. kind of, you know, having, I keep changing in these relationships. And I think it's just so normal to go through your twenties and have friends that you are very close with for a while and then sort of evolve away from. And mm -hmm. I just want to make everyone feel okay about that because it's okay to have female friends, um, not be friends anymore. It's okay to grow apart. It's okay to let go. It's okay to let new, beautiful, meaningful relationships into your life because I feel like I held on and shamed myself for so long that I was mm -hmm. outgrowing these people in my yeah. life and through different stages. And I wish I would have like liberated myself much earlier from that, that feeling that I was really imposing on myself. Yeah, that's such valuable advice. And I, I feel like something that keeps that I keep hearing from both of you is like giving yourself this permission to evolve, like giving yourself this permission to shift, whether it's your opinions on wellness, friendships, love, like all of these different areas, just like knowing it's okay. And almost I think expectation is a huge thing too. Like we set this expectation that things are supposed to be a certain way. So when you when you set the expectation that things will very likely change, I think it really does release that pressure and allow you to just kind of flow with what feels good. And I think that's something we've learned a lot. Like we, we say a lot, doing the work, doing the work. But the more that we've gotten clear on 
not only what we want out of life, which again can shift every single day, but like the types of people that we want to surround ourselves with and like the things that bring us joy and fulfillment without anyone else's opinion mattering, like the the better I think we're able to show up in our relationships and the more I feel like, Jew, you can agree, like our, our friendships have gotten so much deeper because of the level of conversations and just vulnerability that we've brought to them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, Krista, because there's, I think people don't talk about that enough that like, you're going to go through friendship breakups or, or not even, it doesn't even have to be this big whole breakup thing. You might just grow apart. And there is so much shame around that. I don't know where it comes from or if we put it on ourselves or whatnot, but like, I, I don't, I don't hear people talking about it enough. And when it's happening to you, you're like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why, why don't I get on with that group anymore? Like, why am I, you know, wanting to spend more time with these people? And I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about it because it does release the shame around it. And it was just funny when you were talking, Lindsay, I was thinking about um, how it's like when you're younger and you just like hook up with the guy that's convenient. And like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times you're just like, oh, I'll just hook up with the guy that lives like five minutes away instead of the guy that lives like an hour and a half away because I don't want to take the subway and like, <laughs> as you get older you start doing more for, for quality uh than convenience yes. totally. <laughs> wow maybe that's something i just learned quality over convenience there we go. <laughs> yes see do you think it's something away already <laughs> already Definitely. And in terms of like kind of on the same topic of friendships, but when it comes to actually like I feel like we're in the age where everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and it's beautiful and people are trying to build partnerships. Um, But what advice would you have for friends that want to start a business together or some sort of like creative endeavor that, you know, goes beyond a layer of friendship? so much. I think it's so, um, so our, our situation is unique. Our relationship is unique in the sense that we started the business Mm -hmm. the same, basically the same time that we started our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so both of those have been growing and evolving together. I think if we came into this, knowing each other for years and years and had a lot of history together, that it would be a completely different experience. And I'm just grateful that ours is the way it is because yeah, we were just able to show up as we were at the time and not kind of have this like added layer or film of like what we've done in the past. But I think, you know, for me, it's, it's all about communication. And we've definitely gone through seasons where like communication was not up to par. That's been like a really big lesson for me in my relationships in general is to be able to say how I really feel in the moment. Oftentimes I would hold back because I would be worried how the person would take it or do I even know how I feel and will it just like make it more complicated and confuse the situation you know the list goes on but what I found with this partnership and this friendship is that you know our business really depends on the health of our friendship you know like we've seen it suffer in little and big ways because we haven't taken time to nurture our relationship. And so we've built in um, Monday check-ins where we have like personal and also business check-ins with one another. And we're just able to connect one-on-one because we manage a team. So oftentimes there's someone else in the mix. And so for us to have like a really honest conversation about what's going on in the business and then also touch base on what's going on with our lives. I'm able to get like a full picture of what's going on because sometimes we just rush into the business and we forget that like we, one of us just had a really hard conversation that morning with a family member or something, right? Like it's really good to kind of check in in those ways as well. And then we also work with a coach. Uh, We both go to therapy individually. It's really important that we like maintain our own mental health and self-awareness and just self-development work together and, and individually. Yeah. Brenda and I use this app called Marco Polo. Do you have it? Do you know what it is? Oh, I overwhelmed me. I did it one time. We did it in a coaching program. Honestly, I left and there was like 40 hours of yep. video. I, was like, I can't. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. No, you well, guys that's probably a- check it regularly. We are part of a coach. A coaching group with too much, too much marketing. <laughs> I was like, wow, I can't. <laughs> totally. It can get overwhelming, but just going like, you know what you said. I mean, Brenna and I, Brenna and I have been friends for like, what, 15 years? Yeah, a long time. <laughs> a really long time. Oh, wow. So yeah, a little different situation. So it's fun to hear your guys' story um, and knowing how long we've known each other. But 
on that note, like I sent Brenda Marco Polo the other day, like about like just something that was going on with me that had nothing to do with business. And we were like, and Brenda was like, oh my God, like I forgot, like we can talk about just normal things without yeah. having to even mention yeah. anything about the show. Cause even if we're just having friend time, there's always like that like, oh, and then like, don't remember we have that interview on like blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, but just to be like, oh, we had a conversation about, you know, a boy, like, and not about business. It's hard. It's hard to remember sometimes. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And also I think because a lot of it is like we have like a lot of our show is having deep conversations about what's going on at the time. But of course, there are like little bits and pieces that there might be some more detail to um, that we're like, oh, yeah, we it, it's funny because I feel like it just comes up in, in whatever conversation. But it really it is so special. And I feel like I see a lot of like our passion and what you guys have put together is like you mentioned it a, a little bit ago, but you were like, we just never questioned stopping because you loved what you did so much and you had such deep belief in it. And that gives me hope. And I'm sure Julia hope that like, as long as you just keep on doing what you love and pushing for it, that, you know, the listeners, the more listeners will come, the more people that you want to impact will, will come. And you just got to keep on, keep on keeping on. <laughs> it's so important, you know, and it's like, I think about, you know, people that do things and it's like, say maybe not a lot of people listen, but you did what you loved. And that's really just creates a beautiful energy in your life and creates a beautiful mm -hmm. experience. And it doesn't always have to be the most successful thing or the most lucrative thing. But if we're always continually finding ways to do more of what we love, I mean, there's really nothing better. Mm, that's so important. I love that, especially in the age where people feel like, I think that there's this feeling that you can't just have a hobby anymore, that you have to make your hobby a hustle. And like, what happened to just hobbies? Like, it's nice to just like pottery. You don't have to sell the pottery on it. <laughs> Like, it's nice to just have a hobby. Because, uh, like, I had a conversation like that with my dad the other day, which is why it's in my head. But um, <laughs> that's really very important advice. So thank you. One more thing on the friendship thing. And I'm curious in your dynamic, especially because you became friends as you started the show. It's hard sometimes, especially in this age again, where, where so many people are at so many different points in their life. Some people are married, some people are single, some people are, you know, making millions and some people are working at, you know, a job that they hate. Um, how have you guys dealt with not comparing yourself to other people's successes? And has there been difficult times in comparing yourselves, yourselves to each other in terms of success? And like, I guess the question is like, tips for stay, like being happy for your friends when they succeed and not beating up on yourself at the same time. Yeah. I think in, in my twenties, you know, I've in my twenties, it was probably like, I, I didn't have the awareness that I was jealous of people mm -hmm. and why I didn't really have that like acute awareness where now if I've ever had a feeling of jealousy, I'm like, Oh, what is this showing me? Like, what do they have that I really admire? Or what do they have that I, you know, could have in my life or what specifically, and I think it's important for us to get specific about things we're jealous of or envious of, because those are really helpful markers for us. And every one of my friends right now has something I could be very jealous or envious of, but I find it to be, and I don't want to say this corny, like, because it's true. I find it to be inspiring because I can learn from them. I can like help apply whatever they're doing to my life. And it really helps expand my awareness of what's possible because I'm so close to them. But when you're in a job that you don't like, or you're doing things that you don't really love, it's really hard to be happy for people because you're so, so sad. And it was interesting. I was at a dinner the other day and I had like um, an experience that was like perfect, a perfect example of this. I have a friend that is, has her own clothing company that she started a few years ago and it's, it's going really well. And then at that same dinner, I had another friend come who wants to start a clothing company, but hasn't over time. And they got to meet. And I saw, you know, the one friend who hasn't started the clothing company note that she was getting jealous and that she felt just like a little uncomfortable, didn't really like the person. And I noticed that like we get jealous and envious when someone is do something, doing something that we want to do or someone mm -hmm. is doing something that we feel like we should be doing, but we have these blocks to getting us there. So it's really important to be curious of like, why? Like, what does she have that I really want or that I'm interested in? And then within our relationship, like, 
there's definitely opportunities for us to be comparing ourselves or be jealous of one another or all these things. But within a business, when you're two females that are running it, you have to really be mindful of like what you're each bringing to the table. And I think when you are being as intimately honest as Lindsay and I are with one another, it's not like she's looking at my Instagram page and she's like working with me where she's like, oh, she's got a perfect Instagram life. And then we're coming to the podcast and we're just talking our things. Like we're very intimately connected. So she knows everything. So it's harder for, I think from my perspective, it's harder to be jealous of someone when you know all the shit that's really happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like you really know what's going down with all parts of my life. And you find yourself being much more able to like, see the beauty of your own life because you really understand the truth of everything rather than like the perfect Instagram filter or the perfect Instagram page, which is often what people look at when they're comparing themselves. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No, that was, that was so well said. And I feel like sometimes, especially through the show, we've almost like trained ourselves to know that life is of course more than whatever you see on Instagram for anyone that you went to college with or whoever it is that you're comparing yourself to. But I feel like sometimes we still have to actively remind ourselves like there is, there's more than that (laughs) to the situation. But like you said, very much so I feel like our just perspective of life and people's circumstances have shifted so much because of the vulnerable conversations we've had that they've allowed us to just kind of expand that there is more and everyone's going through something and just like you know, leading with kindness in that capacity. But I really wanted to ask, because of course, I want to respect your time. Um, You guys mentioned that you started incorporating more spiritual aspects um, into your podcast and into your lives. And how has that kind of how did that help you? And what have been like the most transformative tools? Because I feel like people hear those things, and they sound appealing, maybe scary, but they don't know where to start. Yeah, um, honestly, it's been Ever since I moved to LA, um, I, I don't even know if I really had a spiritual practice when when I lived um, on the East Coast and specifically in New York. I was just really grinding and, and figured that that was the way in which I was going to get what I desired in life rather than incorporating pieces of faith and my relationship with God and... Um, yeah, giving myself like space and rest and that, for example, meditation practice to actually hear my own thoughts rather than be searching every day for the answers. So I think LA gave me literally and figuratively a bit more room to do that. And then LA itself is just like overload on on like health, wellness, and spiritual resources, practices, teachers, all the things. And um, I feel so lucky, you know, like it's become normal for us. Um, And obviously with the podcast, we just interview people every single day who we learn from, who are our teachers. And yeah, it's just, I can't help but just be a sponge, but I've also had to have discernment in what practices um, really work for me and what I believe. And I think that's been a part of the spiritual process as well, because it's easy to be like, oh, let me try this and this and this and this and this, and I should incorporate it every single day. And I think that can drive you absolutely crazy and kind of walk you farther away from yourself. But yeah, for me, it's been, you know, the kind of the pillar practices that I have um, weekly are meditation, breath work, and movement. And, um, you know, movement, not necessarily in the context of a workout, but um, just more of like an embodiment practice. So that might look like putting on, you know, a curated playlist and just giving myself 15 minutes to like dance around in my underwear by myself, you know, and kind of like looking at myself in the mirror and like feeling my body. And it sounds weird and maybe a little cheesy, but it's actually really helped me to like appreciate my body for so long. I was just kind of like running it into the ground and not listening to it or respecting it. So um, it's kind of fun for me to see it in a different way. And through music, I just feel... Yeah, for music for me is kind of that like instant connector to God. And so I just feel so, so out of my head when I have music involved. So um, yeah, those are like three pillar practices that I've incorporated. Um, yeah, every day. Yeah, and I think this is like another thing that I want to, I would tell my younger self, my like 25 year old self, maybe even probably actually earlier is um, one of the first things that I did that helped me so much on my spiritual journey was I stopped drinking. And I didn't drink from like 26 to 30 probably. And I still don't really drink now. Maybe I have 10 drinks a year. 
Um, and I found it to be one of the most impactful because it built my confidence in doing things differently than what my mm -hmm. friends were doing. And it really was a muscle where I had to continue to lean into like, no, this is me following my intuition. Every time we went out and I would be sober, this is me like listening to my body over anyone else. And I found so much clarity. I found so much energy. I got so much time back on the weekends. I mean, goodness gracious, like every weekend was recovering mm -hmm. until you drink again. So I was able to finally like dedicate precious time to my businesses that I was growing at the time or like my personal growth. And I saved so much money. I mean, I was like spending so much money on silly things and I was drinking. So I find drinking to be, to be huge. That's the first one. And then the second one uh, would be to journal, you know, journaling mm -hmm. as a practice really helped me to realize how unhappy I was at the time. And mm -hmm. I feel like people don't realize how long they live with this unhappiness until it's faced in front of them with something like a journal or a hard conversation with a friend where they mirror back to you how unhappy you've been for a long time. So journaling is huge, especially during you know your age to really figure out what's working for you, what's not, how you're feeling and really help you process. And then the last thing I would say is just meditation. You know, I know it's unsexy, but meditation has been the most impactful thing of my life and really helped me to um, figure out who I was in like a really safe and beautiful way. And I can't recommend it enough. You know, I know it's hard to start and a lot of people feel like they can't do it. They feel like it's too tough, but you just have to keep coming back to it. And eventually you'll be able to get into it and feel those really beautiful, you know, results. I love all of those things. And I, I think it's interesting. We kind of, going off what you said about the journaling, we kind of, wait and not wait because we're not in anticipation but we kind of wait for these big things to happen to like make us shift our lives whether it's a breakup or getting fired or moving or something you know if I think that we don't realize that we we can have urgency and control in our lives to realize that we're unhappy it doesn't have to come until the breakup happens and then all of a sudden you realize oh I was so unhappy and now I can change my life and find ways to be happier, we can do that without the big event having to happen. If we're intentional, if we take the time to journal or whatever it is for you to be real with yourself, am I happy that check-in? I, I know for me, I wasn't doing that. Like, and it took a big thing to happen to make me realize, oh, there's things in my, I'm not leading my life as intentionally as I want to be. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting that, you know, so many of us, wait is the wrong word, but wait for the, the event to happen to shift our lives in a more of a direction that we want it to be in. Yeah. And I think that speaks to how disconnected we are from our intuition. Yeah. You know, the biggest shifts in my life were, were because I didn't listen to my intuition. Um, you know, my first job I was supposed to leave, I was meaning to quit and eventually got into this sexual harassment case with my boss. And that had to be my impetus to leave rather than my own intuition because I was so disconnected from it. So when you are connected to your intuition, you don't need those huge boulders, those huge life-changing events to help you change your, your course. You're actually guided by these like whispers mm -hmm. that you can follow, which are much more gentle and much more enjoyable. But when you're starting to get to know who you are and your intuition, it's going to feel really hard at first because you've really ignored it for so long. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it makes, it makes such a big difference. Like when, and it's not to say like, I think for both of us, Drew, Drew we, we shift the way that we thought and the questions that we asked ourselves and the way we went about our lives after events that were hurtful um, or after events that kind of like shook us to our core a little bit. But I think the reason we say that is not in judgment of if you're waiting for an event or something, but more so, not that I thought you said that, um, but more so because it's like you will be so much more like better prepared, equipped, like you'll have so much more, I guess, mental strength. I don't even know what to call it if you do those little things every day and just get clear on it now. And I think that's a huge reason why I'm sure you guys do your show and why we, you know, do ours is because like, there are certain little things we've learned that we're like, man, if only I knew that sooner. <laughs> so rounding it out back to kind of where we started, the big question is 30 really this milestone? Does something really crazy happen when you hit this number? What, what was the biggest shift or 
are you like, Julia, no shifts at all? Should you just keep going? It just gets better and better. Honestly, life is like so weird. I remember in college, everyone was like, these are the best years of your life. And I was like, taught that. I was told that college was the best years of my life. And oh my goodness gracious, college was nothing compared to how happy and fulfilled my life is now. It's like, it's going to classes for that I wasn't, didn't care about, that I didn't know why I was going to hang out with boys that are essentially huge losers, to drink all day in the middle of Ohio. That if someone would have told me that was like going to be the best years of my life, oh my goodness, but no shade. That's just my experience. But life honestly gets better and better because you know yourself more. You like don't question your decisions. You care less what people think. You really just learn so much more about how life goes and how to just live in a way that is fulfilling to you. So um, for most people in their 30s or at 30, they're kind of in the middle of their Saturn return or at the end. And so really you're coming to that point where a lot of the changes that have really shaken you up at the beginning of your Saturn return are settling more. And you're able to really learn a lot, a lot deeper. But it is weird, you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh my gosh, 30 seems so far away and so old and all these things. And you're like, I'm probably going to be married. I'm going to be doing all these things. But life is just getting better and better. And I just, yeah, I, I never thought that would be true. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I would never go back to my job. Oh my gosh, bless. <laughs> but that's just my experience. You know, I'm sure a lot of people, that was like their heyday. But yeah, I just, I love myself more. I have more compassion for other people. I am less wrapped up in comparing myself to other people. I am clearer about uh, my priorities. My priorities like have shifted a lot and it, it's just given me a lot more energy. And it's actually not that this matters the most, but it's just actually interesting to see like aesthetically. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I look back on some of my 20s and I'm like, oh girl, you were like drinking too much. You were not sleeping enough. Yeah. And, um, just wasn't looking as healthy as you do now at 33. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. celebrate that too. Love it. Love it. Love it. That gives us so much hope, so much to look forward to. <laughs> Less scary, more exciting. Less scary. More. We love it. We love it. Um, oh, you guys should be so excited. <laughs> and to give you guys an opportunity to talk about your almost 30 membership, could you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, it's it's the best. We're in the, we're in the middle of, we just actually launched, launched it. We will be reopening in uh, towards the end, end of July, I think. Um but it's a six month container and yeah, we, we really wanted the place where we could connect deeply with our community in a way that felt safe and supportive and focused. Um, our community is so down to do this self-development work. And so if we could provide, you know, the, the support for that and the resources, we have workshops, we do live hangs, we have um, meditations and all these things to just help you and usher you through these different stages of self-development and really spiritual growth as well. Um, yeah, we, we felt like we needed that really more than anything. So we created it during, uh, during the pandemic times. Uh, we had more time here at the office before that we were on the road. So it was also a way that we could connect with our community like we were doing on the road for two years. And um, it just feels, yeah, even more special. So you can find out more and get on the wait list at almost3.com. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Oh, love it. You two are so incredible. We love your show. We love getting to talk to you both. We just have two last questions before we let you go. If you could tell... 20s year old Lindsay, 20s year old Krista, one thing, what would you each tell yourself? 20, right? Age 20? 20s. 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's just not that into you. Move on. <laughs> it, it was a lot of like hairy just situations that I put myself in for no other reason other than, you know, just validation and just, yeah, it was dysfunctional in that way but I would I think I would just overall say trust yourself because I spent a lot of time not and it was just yeah. very confusing and energy depleting and um yeah I always knew and always had those pains that I just didn't listen trust myself love it yeah I think I would have I would remind myself of how special I am and how unique I am you know I think mm-hmm. I didn't realize because I was so like blazing my own trail on whatever I was doing and I wasn't 
really succeeding at anything um, from like a perspective of anyone on the outside. And so I would just like remind myself that in doing all of those things that I was failing at and then not fitting into the corporate job or not fitting in where I was, that it's like all on purpose because I was unique and different and there was like a better, a better way for me and a better life for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you guys. And our last question is where can people find you? So you could pimp yourselves out your podcast, your workshops, anything that you want to share. Yeah, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at almost 30 podcast. I'm at Lindsay Simsic and this is at it's Krista. And then our new beautiful website, almost30.com is kind of a catch all for our courses and programs, our shop. Um, you can check out our partners and, and different brands that we talk about on the podcast, as well as Podcast Pro. So Podcast Pro is a resource hub really for all things podcasting. So if you are um, wanting to launch a podcast or maybe you have a podcast you want to grow and eventually monetize, we have programs, resources, templates, tools for you. And it's yeah, it's our baby. We we are really, really passionate about podcasting, helping others do it. Yes, yes. They've been in the game for a long time, so they're definitely the <laughs> go-to. You guys are doing it. You guys are doing it right. You've been such a role model for Brenda and I, so it's been really exciting to get to sit down with you guys. You guys are doing Thank you so much. <laughs> so happy you're doing the thing and and we're grateful to be on your show and support you guys amazing thank you goodbye everybody bye everyone bye everyone (laughs) thanks for listening to roaring 20s podcast be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe you're never alone our pride sticks together tune in every monday and thursday for new episodes of roaring 20s podcast you get to start your week with us and end your week with us with With love brenda and julia Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.